Thank you for tuning into the Debbie Devotional Podcast, a monthly show focusing on Debbie prospects, strategies, and incoming rookies. Now here's your host. Welcome back to the Debbie Devotional, where we stay devoted to Debbie. I'm your host, Dynasty Coach A, joined as always by Aaron Wilcox at AaronWilcox86 on Twitter. And tonight, we're going to be continuing the series, I guess, if you will, uh, from last week when we went over the QB ranks. This week, we're going to be talking about some RBs, some running backs. And uh, I think this one's going to be a little bit more fun maybe a little bit more uh controversial maybe you know, maybe we can you know have a little more uh divisiveness i guess if you will uh, whereas with the qbs it was a lot of eh, i don't know maybe we'll put this guy at qb3 maybe we'll put this guy at qb20 who knows uh with the running backs i think we'll have uh, maybe a little stronger takes what do you think aaron oh yeah stronger takes and i don't know i personally find this position a little bit more fun to scout and look into so yeah i love it What's up, Omegas in the chat, waving hi. What's up, buddy? Time to find out about some running backs. Um, but yeah, you know, just basically going over the same thing. We're going to look at a DLF dynasty, or Debbie rankings, I should say. And, uh, you know, basically just looking at some of the different tiers and maybe, you know, just de- deciding who we agree with, who we disagree with, all that kind of good stuff. Toronto Dave's also in the chat as, what's up, buddy? But I think we'll go ahead and... And you know what the funny thing is, you know, like I said, last week, it was so easy because we started with the QBs. It's like, all right, well, one and two, you know, that's it. Like tier one, we we don't need to discuss it any further. I already have a, uh, I already have a problem with, with RB one, according to DLF. Uh, I I don't know how you feel about it, Aaron, but I, I, I can't get on board with Nicholas Singleton at RB one. You know, he's a projection and that flavor is not for everybody. I will admit. Um, I, I actually am comfortable with that. Now I'm not saying he's in a tier of his own by any means, but when you talk about what, what really sustains value at the NFL level, who are the guys who are just RB ones year after year after year and retain dynasty value. A lot of times they are those athletic freaks. They're the Derrick Henry's of the world. They're the Jonathan Taylor's of the world. Uh, Saquon Barkley, even though his health hasn't really you know, he hasn't quite lived up production wise to what his talent is. So a guy who was just kind of next up in that vein of just being an athletic freak, Nicholas Singleton. So I really expect him to take that next step forward at Penn state. And while people will get concerned, well, Katron Allen, you know, he's going to limit him or Katron Allen's going to outplay him. Well, no, I mean, Nick, Nick Singleton was much more efficient than Katron Allen last year. And, you know, you, you could say what you want about the receiving game. It's not like Nick Singleton was insanely involved and he was slightly outproduced. Yes. By his, his backfield mate and fellow um, true freshman Catron Allen last year at admitted, admittedly, but that home run potential is just really what separates those guys. And Nick Singleton, I warned everybody who was a listener of the Debbie devotional last year that he was coming in kind of raw his, his high school system was basically just run him outside and let him run past everybody. So he had a lot of development to do, but I do think that he got better and better as the season went on. It's a projection. Again, I, I'm okay with him at RB one, but I don't think he's like in a tier of his own. Yeah. And I should have caveated that, you know, like D- uh, DLF doesn't have him like in a tier of his own or anything like that either. Uh, they do have him at one, but it's very, very uh, small, uh, a small amount ahead of Raheem Sanders uh, there at two. So I-, I can't say that I absolutely hate it. I just, I- I'm not on board with Singleton being there at one. 
I think that we've just seen a little bit more from Sanders, even from Trevion Henderson. Um, per se. I mean, you know, you look at Singleton and he doesn't really seem to be much of a receiver. And you, and you said that, you know, he, he was raw coming out of high school and everything. And maybe that's part of that. And maybe he'll take a big step here in year two. But, you know, when I'm talking about that three down back that I, I want to see it all, it doesn't really seem to be Nicholas Singleton just yet. Like there's some exciting parts to his game and, you know, and I'm, I definitely like the guy. I just don't have him here at, at, at uh, RB1, but I do have him in Tier 1, so I, I don't hate it either. Uh, but then we ha- also have Trevion Henderson rounding out Tier 1 here for DLF, and so we have Singleton, Sanders, and Henderson in Tier 1. Any uh, any qualms here? I know some people have just completely fallen out of love with Henderson after. Yeah, I'm not falling out of love at all. In fact, I have him slightly ahead of Sanders, and partially just because I think he's a better athlete again, and I that matters so much at the NFL level. Now it's not everything, right? There's guys who are just very, very good players who don't necessarily have that elite speed or game breaking, you know, combine numbers. And I don't even think that we should overvalue combine numbers, but who's more likely to get maybe round one draft capital. I mean, I think that Travion Henderson is that guy and Raheem Sanders. I think he's a really, really solid back. He can be a three down player easily at the next level. I just don't know if he's quite as special uh, based on his production though. You shouldn't have concerns about Sanders. It's not that I think he's a bad player. He belongs in tier one. I just have Trevin Henderson as slightly more special than him, but he needs to stay healthy. I don't want him going down the Saquon Barkley path where it's just all potential, but not quite elite elite production, at least consistently. He's got to stay on the field. Trevion Henderson needs to stay healthy this season. Yeah, and I really think that's the biggest thing with Henderson is he just wasn't healthy last year. I mean, we saw a night and day difference between year one to year two, and you know, I, I don't think there's any reason to think that he's a he was a different player. You know, that all of a sudden he was just terrible or anything. I think he just wasn't healthy. And um, I was listening to a podcast earlier today, and they were talking about how you could tell how injured he was and how he was trying to play through it and everything. And you know, I. I I admittedly don't watch enough Ohio State to really, you know, be able to like agree with that or disagree with it. But I mean, looking at the numbers, it definitely seems to make sense that he was just not healthy at all. And you know, and then you had guys like Mayan Williams and Dalen Hayden and whoever else like trying to take over for him, and it, and it never really seemed to happen. You know, like people will get maybe we'll get into Mayan Williams a little bit later, but uh, you know, like people are starting to seem to like Williams, and yet you know, like if you really look at it, like he never, he didn't do too much when he took over or took over for, uh, for Henderson there. So I, I don't know. I, Oh, Toronto says Aaron is on his game tonight. I like it. Dude knows and loves his running backs. We know that much. <laughs> I do love them. I, I am kind of curious and I know you're about to get to this, but do you think that there's one player that's missing out of this tier one, this top tier? Uh, I do. Yeah, I, I have. I actually have uh, two more players. Okay. And so I think that, you know, we'll actually get a DLF technically has a tier break here. I don't necessarily agree with it, but, you know, it's not a huge, huge tier break. Oh, and, and real quick, <laughs> El Nostra Thomas, Thomas Tipple, Tommy T uh, says this show looks so much better. And it does. And it's 100% because of him. We really do appreciate it. Uh, you know, I. 
I've been begging for some kind of overlay or something for the longest time, and I'm not good at that stuff. I I like talking about football. I don't like uh, photoshopping about football. So uh, he showed me what to do, and he created the logo. He created the overlay. Dough. We do appreciate it. And uh, also, make sure you check us out on the Full Tilt Dynasty and Full Tilt Devi podcasts coming out uh, this week, next week, all that kind of good stuff. So follow Tommy T., Thank you very much, but let's get back into the running backs. The next two players are Quinshawn Judkins and Braylon Allen, and that's who I have here also in Tier 1, but DLF is saying, eh, they're a little bit lower. How do you feel about that? Because it, it seems like you at least had one player still there in Tier 1, um, so I, I'm interested to see who fell out, and I think I know, but we'll find out here in a second. Yeah, no, I really, really like Quinshawn Judkins. He belongs in Tier 1 probably at the RB four spot, but ultimately he's a really good player. Again, maybe he's like Raheem Sanders where I'm not sure that he's going to ever be running like a four, four or better, but he doesn't necessarily need to, to be a stud. He, what he did as a true freshman was pretty darn special there. And though he wasn't more efficient than Zach Evans, he, pretty much doubled him up in volume. Like he was just Quinshawn Judkins was a beast for old mess as a true freshman. And he has the workhorse size. He has some receiving ability. He's explosive enough though. I, I think that is probably his, his biggest limitation and that's not even a big limitation for him. So he's a tier one guy for me and Braylon Allen, who I, I am kind of surprised that you have him lumped in, in that tier one. Cause I thought recently you became a little bit lower on him after this last season. And I have him in the next tier. Not that he's a bad player. I really do like him. He he is my RB5, so I kind of agree with everything DLF's doing there. It's just, you know, I don't have him quite as high as Judkins. I get the concerns. I mean, it's kind of the same thing I was talking about with Singleton, <coughs> excuse me, with Braylon Edwards, or Braylon Allen, I mean, uh, that I, I think, <laughs> Braylon Edwards, wow. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, we're worried about, you know, can he, can he catch the ball? Like, you know, is the receiving game part of his game, but you know, me and, and, and my thick boys, you know, <laughs> when you're that size and you can run like that, I'm probably going to fall in love with you. Uh, but honestly, it's not even, it's not even just that he's, that he's big or anything like that. I mean, he just think about like Wisconsin wasn't very good last year and yet he was just the entire offense, you know, basically. And so it, it seems like we're we're possibly going to be a little more excited about Wisconsin this year and, and everything. I think that he can take that next step forward. Um, but also, like you were saying with Quinshawn Judkins, I'm trying to remember what podcast I was listening to today. And they were talking about how uh, he hit like 22 miles per hour uh, during a game or something like that. And so you were saying that you don't think he's overly athletic, but it, it seems to me that maybe he is. Um Man, I, I, I got to be better about remembering what podcast I think. I think it was the Debbie Marketplace, but I could be I could be wrong. Um, but, man, I 22 miles per hour, I mean, that's essentially like the line that we're looking for with some of these athletes and everything. So I, I think that, you know, maybe he doesn't have, you know, maybe he doesn't have quite the burst that a Nicholas Singleton has, but, you know, we saw him do so much more. We saw him at least touch the ball more. And so we have a larger sample size. We have all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I really, I, I think I'd rather have Quinshot Judkins than Nicholas Singleton as of right now, because I feel like he's more of a complete player. But once again, I have him in the same tier. So it's more nitpicking than anything else. I'm like, I'm not trying to hate on Singleton by any means. It's just that, you know, like I said, I, I have them all here for different reasons, but you know, if you're looking at 
the things that I look for. It's the big time run rate. You know, it's the receptions is that kind of stuff. When you add it all together, the, the PPR points were touched. You're going to see a lot of the same things for these players. A couple of them, Braylon Allen and, and Nicholas Singleton just don't quite have the receiving. Yeah. And that makes sense. I, I do have Nick Singleton and, um, Kunshan Junkins in the same tier. I do think that the interesting thing is though, because I, I did see that tweet out there a while back and that was, you know, going over the top 10 fastest college football players last year. Quinshawn Junkins did hit that 22 and a half mile per hour mark, but it took him like 50 yards down the field to do it. It's, it's not like the guy is accelerating that fast. So when, when it comes to how he's going to test, how he's going to perform on the field, I have no doubt that he has top end speed, but it's, is it as electric as a guy like Ningles? Nick Singleton. I don't think so. And that again, isn't even a knock necessarily, but it's just stylistically from what you see from Judkins. It's not, it doesn't pop the same way, even if that top end speed is um, still hitting that mile per hour mark. So again, not a ding. I, like I said, I don't know if he's a four, three guy, but as long as he's like around that four five or faster, which I think he realistically is for Judkins for sure. Yeah. I think he's solid as far as the athleticism goes, we shouldn't have, like big concerns by any means. Yeah, and I agree. And you know, generally speaking, I, I look for that big time run rate. It, you know, if you're looking for guys with burst, guys with high end, uh, top end speed, you know, you're looking for that like 10% or, or right around there for the big time run rate. We see Singleton's at 12%. We see uh, we see Quinshaw Judkins, if I could speak, at 10%. So you know, it's really not that much lower. And yet he had a much larger sample size, like I said before. So, you know, if anything, you would you would maybe expect the singleton one to come down a little bit if he touches the ball three hundred times, like Judkins did, or almost three hundred times. So, I really don't think that. Just looking at the numbers, I get what you're saying, and I'm not even arguing with you. I have no idea who's more athletic or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, I it doesn't seem like they're that far apart as far as. Uh, as the athleticism, you know, when you're looking at the PPR points for touch, which is another thing that shows explosiveness, you know, burst, like all that kind of stuff, especially for running backs, we're looking at uh, 1.0 for uh, Judkins and 1.2 for Singleton. But, you know, once again, when, when those, the more touches you get, generally you're going to be less efficient. So, you know, we would expect that to come down a little bit for, for Singleton if he were to get a full workload. Now, the, the question is, is he ever going to get a full workload? Probably not. So maybe those numbers won't come down and everyone will just have these uh, these same arguments like, oh, well, he's just so much more athletic. He's so much more bursty and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it doesn't seem like it's it's all that far off, though. No, very, very good athletes. And, you know, we'll go back to Braylon Allen, kind of the guy who, who maybe trails, whether you want to stick him at the end of that tier or bump him into the next tier. Braylon Allen does have interesting athleticism but he's not a Derrick Henry type of freak. He is a very good athlete. Um, Tommy was in the chat and saying that Allen gets love because of how early we saw that production and high school picks and all that stuff. I mean, the guy, yeah, he's extremely young and what he did at like 17 years old in college is, is super special, but at the same time, he's not quite that Derrick Henry type beast. So could he be more of like a AJ Dillon type? Absolutely. I think that's certainly in the realm of possibility, but you know, is that a perfect comp by no means? Nope. Not at all. Maybe more like a Nick Chubb. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's realistic. A guy who maybe has a slightly capped receiving ceiling, but honestly is a beast and he's got enough speed and all that for sure. Very durable player. 
I like it. I mean, regardless, I think even, even if you don't agree that Braylon Allen should be in tier one, you have to agree that he's barely behind him in tier two. And so, you know, I think we can all agree that he's definitely one of those top five players there. Yeah. And there might be a buy window too, just coming off that season that he just had. And honestly, the offensive system change, a lot of folks are anticipating a very pass happy approach. And I've seen him as a sell on, on podcast articles, whatever. I mean, if people are actually selling Braylon Allen at a discount, take advantage of that. So Omega thinks he's tier zero. I <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll see Omega. I'll tell you what. Uh, I remember uh, last year during the offseason, Omega was asking me, you know, who should I draft for uh, for the supplemental draft? And it basically came down to Braylon Allen or Quinn Ewers. And, uh, and I was like, you got to go Braylon, baby. And they did. And I mean, I, I think you would have to agree that it was, it had to have been the right choice at this point at the very least. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> All right. So then we have another tier break here and we have just one player. And I think, you know, the reason why we have a tier break here is because we've at least seen these players do something up until this one now at running back six, or I guess technically, or no, I'm sorry. I skipped ahead. <laughs> All right, so we do have a tier break, but it's, we actually have two players here. And so we have uh, running back six and seven, Donovan Edwards and Will Shipley. And uh, how do you feel about Edwards? Because I know a lot of people were really upset that Blake Corum came back, you know, got injured and all that kind of stuff. And um, Brent's in the chat saying Judkins is a freak. And I mean, uh, hey, we love me some, some Judkins, or at least I love some Judkins. <laughs> but how do you feel about uh, Donovan Edwards there? Because like I said, people are just kind of like getting freaked out. I've heard everything from Edwards is going to be the one now to uh, Edwards still might not see the field because Coram's going to be there still to like, they're going to split touches and then neither one of them is going to be worth a damn and everything in between. Yeah, I don't think it's such a difficult concept to grasp that both Coram and Edwards are very good, and both of them could potentially be day two picks next year. I just, I don't know. I see people freaking out. Like you said, one is going to kill off the other as far as value-wise, production-wise, whatever. And we haven't seen Donovan Edwards really take a hold of that job yet. I, he looked really good when Coram went down last year. And Donovan Edwards has always looked good, but in some ways he's like Nicholas Singleton where – is he the most natural runner? Does he need more development inside? Absolutely. Brandon Lejeune was on the podcast last year, talked about some of the deficiencies, and he's been kind of well-documented saying Donovan Edwards needs to continue to develop as a runner. Well, his third season in, I think he's got plenty of reps now as far as his development goes. We should be able to see him take that next leap, but that doesn't mean that Coram's dead. So two very talented backs. I like Edwards more uh, compared to Coram at this point. I, I think that's getting to be pretty consensus, right? But at the end of the day, love Donovan Edwards. I was kind of touting that last year, and I know it, it kind of took a long time to <laughs> come to effect, but finally Edwards has passed him up value-wise, but we'll even see this year. It could just be a split 50-50 in that backfield because Corum's still a beast. So I like Donovan Edwards. His size on DLF doesn't seem to be updated because I, I don't know. He's definitely in the 200s. He's got that feature size. He has very, very good receiving upside, even if he's maybe not like the, he's not a Christian McCaffrey type receiver, but who is right. He's very good. He could be even a Deandre Swift type um, receiver. And I remember putting that out on Twitter and people were like, Whoa, 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 what are you talking about? Well, he's shown very, um, very much in those small flashes when they do pass him the ball, good things happen. 
Yeah, and I have him at a six foot two from his two four seven page or whatever. But um, not that that part really matters. They they probably just throw it in there just so you have something. Um, but yeah, I think that it. I think the whole thing has gone overboard. You know, like people are freaking out about Donovan Edwards. They're freaking out about Blake Corum. Like, I I think that it's going to be just fine. I think that offense is going to be even better this year than it was last year. You know, you have JJ McCarthy going into year three. You have uh, you have Corum taking an, you know, another step. You have Donovan Edwards taking another step. I, I just think that you know it's it's all going to be better. And you know, like yeah, they might eat into each other a little bit, but I think that they're going to be just fine. And and you know, we've seen how well they can run. And you know, maybe Blake Corum doesn't need to touch the ball thirty times. You know, maybe they can do eighteen twelve or or whatever, and and really you know showcase both of them. But like you said, once Corum went down with that knee injury, Edwards really you know t- took a step forward and or you know showed that he can actually do it. And so I I love having Edwards here. It's right where I have him as well. Uh, you know I think that if you're if you're overly concerned about Edwards, I think you're just overthinking it because I guess there's the chance that he could you know stay another year, uh, and, you know stay for a senior season just because he hasn't gotten that much run. But I mean, he has more touches than Nicholas Singleton, you know, so that, that we just talked about. Um, so I, I don't think that it's like this too small of a sample so far. I, I think that uh, I'd be perfectly fine with Edwards. The next player yeah. is the oh, one that I, I put... start. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I just want to throw one more thing out there. Not that this is a, a necessarily something in Edwards' favor, but he what he did last season was kind of cool just for a couple other reasons where he had that injury to the hand where he had to get two screws in, into, I assume, a fractured hand, and he was playing in a cast for some of the season. So it's like, how, how is he going to play a vital role in the receiving game with the cast on one hand? And second of all, this is kind of a recent news blurb that came out on ESPN, but he was playing basically the whole season last year on a torn patellar tendon of his knee. And basically he had some tendonitis prior to that. Then he aggravated it very early in the season. And basically, I mean, he had surgery after the season uh, that nobody talks about that. Um, And at the end of the day, he's still working his way back, but it sounds like everything has gone really smoothly with his rehab and he should be ready for, you know, the very beginning of the season, but I guess that is another reason for us to say, eh, is he quite at that Braylon Allen type level? I, I don't really know. And we haven't really seen a completely healthy Donovan Edwards for quite some time. So it's going to be pretty cool this season to hopefully see him fully back, but he's still rehabbing a bit. So I guess that is a, a bit of caution to throw out there with Donovan Edwards. Yeah, I honestly haven't heard too much about Quorum. Is he rehabbing as well, or is he or is he good to go? Or you don't know? Yeah, I haven't heard anything too recent on Quorum. I I would imagine that he's got to be very close to a hundred percent back, though. It it would make sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that six months post that makes a lot of sense for Quorum to be back as well. I'd be concerned if he wasn't back to near a hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and, I, and I do have him as a tier break here with Edwards uh, from that top tier. So, you know, you were comparing him to like Braylon Allen. You know, I just think that Braylon's shown us a little bit more uh, than Edwards. So I'm perfectly fine with having uh, him a tier ahead. And but like I said, they have uh, DLF has Will Shipley here in the same tier as Donovan Edwards. And that's where I kind of throw up a red flag. Like, I'm not so sure about this one. I think that... Uh, while I actually have moved Will Shipley up my ranks in the past day or two, but 
not this far. Uh, how, how do you feel about Shipley? I know we've gone back and forth. We've talked about him and everything, but you know, it just seems like there's something there. But I, he, I don't think I can have him in in tier two here or, or tier three here. No, no, not in this tier at least. And yeah, he's a solid enough player. We've talked recently, or at least you've talked recently. I've listened to the Full Tilt Debbie podcast and some other podcasts that have said I think Austin Nace, Debbie Dietz, you know, he's been pretty vocal about Shipley's been too high, and I agree. I mean, when he's been within the top five or six backs and all of Devi and C to C that is high. And considering that Phil Moffa is, is a guy who's just continues to lurk there. I mean, I don't think that Moffa is going to knock Shipley off completely. We could see siphoning of carries. Absolutely. But that might help Shipley at the end of the day. He's been able to handle a large amount of volume throughout his career. I don't really think that we need to question his durability. It's just more so how truly explosive is he? And does he do that at a, you know, two Oh five plus size is the question, I guess. So, yeah, ultimately, Will Shipley, good player. He just needs to be more and more explosive and efficient this season. So I'm very anxious to see, is he more of a guy like, I mean, just an average dude who's maybe a, a late day two type of back who's not really a difference maker? Or does he actually show up even more explosive? Will he take his game to that next level? He's right on that edge where he's, he could just rise up a bit and he's firmly within the top five or so in that class um, this upcoming year. So Shipley, there's still a lot of hope for him, but ultimately, yeah, it's a little bit high for him uh, based on these ranks. Yeah, I agree. And we were talking about the big time run rate with Singleton and Quinchon Judkins and, you know, it was 10%, 12%. And then we got 5% for Will Shipley. It's just not showing that athleticism, not showing the burst. And we had Brandon Lejeune on last off season and he had talked about how he was lower on Shipley as well. Um, you know, citing that he, he, you know, looking at the film, you, you don't see like the in-between the tackles rushing ability and, and stuff like that. You know, he, he didn't seem to have the vision that wanted to see. And obviously I'm not looking at that kind of stuff, but you know, I, I tend to agree, <laughs> you know, I just, I, I think that he is a, uh, He's definitely a tier below for me from, you know, Eve Donovan Edwards, maybe even uh, another player or two from there. And the reason why I said that I recently moved him up, that one thing that I changed in the um, Debbie running back model is I had games played as one of the, one of the inputs, you know, and the more I thought about it, the more I thought about it, I'm like, man, games played can mean so much or so little depending on the player. You know, you could have, you could have a game, you know, you could have 22 games played and the guy touched the ball 13 times, you know, like does it, do those 22 games really matter? No. And so I, I literally just changed it over to attempts. And so, you know, Shipley's sitting here at 389 attempts, you know, that's a pretty good sample size. It's going to move him up, a, 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 you know, ahead of some of these players that maybe have only touched the ball a hundred times, you know, 75 times, whatever it is. It's just, we haven't seen a, a large enough sample. And so that's why he ended up moving up a little bit. So it's like, he's good. He's just not great. He's not, you know, he's definitely not, uh, he's not like elite. He's not that top tier. And so that's why I don't like having him up here, but I have recently. Um, is there anybody else that you would have here in this tier with Donovan Edwards? Branson Robinson, Georgia back. And I know your, your co-host there, Andy, a star, he probably would be disappointed in me. But honestly, I'm not buying into the fact that 
going off of Branson Robinson's small sample size that he's just a plotter or something like that. I think that not only does he bring a workhorse size, but he has enough burst where maybe he is more like that Nick Chubb where he, and maybe even not quite as athletic as Nick Chubb is, but I also don't think he's like Elijah Holyfield or somebody like that. Who's running in the four sixes, four sevens. Like, no, Branson Robinson was very fast in high school. And it's not like he's just putting on a bunch of, of fat, a bunch of bad weight, right? He, He's just a very lean, very athletic back who excelled uh, when he was in the game last year. And to be honest, these guys should be able to develop. And if they flash some efficiency year one, that's amazing, right? But we should expect for him to just get better and better and more natural within the system, the more playing time he gets. So I don't think that we need to look too closely into just the yards per carry, which is already somewhat of a flawed statistic, but you know, we use it. I mean, it has its uses, but ultimately. Yeah, I, I think that Branson Robinson has the talent. He's a guy who's, I mean, if he gets the opportunity, and there is opportunity we had at Georgia within this year or for sure the next year for him to truly break out, uh, just watch out for him. I think he's the most talented back there in that backfield. Yeah, honestly, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm kind of stuck between mom and dad here. I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I do the more I look into it, the more I think about it. Like, when was the last time that Georgia actually had, like, a quality running back? You know, like, I think everyone thinks about, like, Nick Chubb and, and, and uh, Todd Gurley and, like, players like that. Guess what? Those guys dominated in year one at Georgia. You know, because you hear a lot of, like, oh, you know, the Georgia running backs don't get enough touches to, to show off. No, bullshit. Like, Nick Chubb had 1,700 rushing yards, or 1,700 scrimmage yards and, like, 17 touchdowns in his freshman season. His true freshman season. Todd Gurley wasn't that far behind that in his true freshman season. You know, like, now we have, like, Zamir White and and James Cook and, like, you know, all these other players. Uh, I, I'm blanking because they're just not that good. Like, it just seems like he would have done a little bit more. I mean, he had that. He played, once again, going back to the games played versus the touches. Like, he, he played in, what, like, 11 games, 9 games, whatever it was. Yet... Oh yeah, thank you, Toronto Dave. Uh, yeah, Swift was, but everyone hates Swift. <laughs> you know, like Duke can't stay healthy. Uh, but Swift was from Georgia. Uh, he hasn't truly proven it, although he has looked really good in spurts. But I, I don't know. It, it just seems like, and we could probably go look at DeAndre Swift and see that he actually like you know put up some some yardage and stuff in his year one too. But I'm not all the way on uh, on board with Andy either, where I just think he's going to be garbage. And I think he's moved past it, but at one point he was trying to push Kendall Milton ahead of Branson Robinson. And I'm like, I can't get on board with that either. So I, I really think I'm kind of in between. Like, I don't want to have Rob Robinson up here just because I think it's 100% a projection. Um, and we've seen him on the field. So, like, once we've done that, then how do you keep projecting what you thought he was when we didn't see it in year one, you know, it's the whole Luther burden argument. I like Branson Robinson. I want him to be a thing. I just don't know if I can be on board with him being in the same tier as Donovan Edwards you know, in what we've seen from him, explosive, electric, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. I think that's very fair to say that he hasn't quite done enough to prove it at this point. And he is a projection, but at the end of the day, running back position carries are given, not necessarily earned the same way that targets are. So it's like only one guy can you know, be back there at a time in the backfield. So even if he has a better talent than some of the guys who've been there two, three, four years, 
I mean, what does it show as a coach if you're just benching all your third, fourth year guys that you've promised all this time and just say, no, you're not getting any carries is Branson show. Like Branson will get his turn. Just like the guys at Alabama, he's going to, he's going to show out at least based on everything that I've seen talent wise, he's able to differentiate himself from some of the recent backs that we've seen out of Georgia. Um, you're right. It has been a little while. You got to go back to Deandre Swift to truly see a guy who's pretty electric, both in the rushing and receiving game. And I don't think that he's a Deandre Swift. I think he's much more in that Nick Chubb type mold, but it's not like Georgia's bringing in, you know, bad players into the league. I think that as long as Branson Robinson tests pretty well, he's not going to be like some of the guys recently at Georgia who've just been kind of meh athletes, you know, the Kendall Milton's and the Kenny McIntosh's and you'll go the couple of years before they just weren't quite as special as Branson Robinson was. And that's why Branson was such a, a high end recruit and coveted guy coming out of high school too. So yeah, maybe it's a bit of a projection. I'm okay playing that game. That's sometimes how you, you hit home runs. But before these guys truly skyrocket up as maybe the RB1 in the class, for example. But like you said, there's also risk with doing that compared to a guy who's safe in Donovan Edwards. Yeah, and, and I just went and looked at Swift. He had uh, like 618 rushing yards on 81 uh, attempts compared to Branson Robinson's 320 rushing yards on 68 attempts. So you know, 13 more attempts, 300 extra yards. Uh, you know, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I don't know... It's just really tough to get overly excited about Branson. All right, enough about hit that. Like I said, I'm torn here. I don't know what to think. I got the co-hosts on each side with Branson. Uh, somebody's going to be right. I'm trying to be in between. I'm trying to be Switzerland. Uh, so mom and dad don't split. But um, why don't we move on? Branson was in the next tier uh, per DLF. So, you know, it, it, it makes sense. That's basically where he's being uh, ranked anyway. I have a, a little bit lower. Um, now, the next one, I think, is because of Shane Hallam, because I don't think this would normally be uh, <laughs> be the rank for, for most sites. Um, but I, I don't hate it either. It's uh, Katron Allen and Trey Benson is the next tier. Uh, and we have a lot of little mini tiers, but I think that happens with running backs uh, You know, quite often. You, you get these little mini tiers where you, you kind of group them together. We have a larger tier for the next one, so we'll get into that here in a minute. But... Uh, Katron Allen, RB9, like I said, I think Shane Hallam is probably, because he's a part of DLF's ranking, I think that he is probably uh, pushing that up quite a bit because I'm you know, fairly certain that he is very high on, uh, on Allen there. I know you're not nearly as high on him, and I mean, I, I like Katron Allen. I think this is a little bit high because you know, I'm definitely higher than, on him than you are, uh, but how do you feel about him here? I'm, I'm assuming you disagree. <laughs> I do disagree, but I mean, I don't hate him by any means. I have a lot of the next guys lumped together. So honestly, it's it's going to be a whole lot of, well, I could see you flip, flipping a couple guys, moving a, moving guys up, but I have at least like seven guys ahead of Katron Allen here. So I, I don't really have him next up by any means here. I don't hate him, but at the same time, I don't think he's a difference maker. I don't think he's that athletic at the end of the day, uh, that creative I'm not going to call him a plotter full out, but I, I also think that he's at risk of that. If he doesn't increase his athleticism, uh, he, he is at risk of just becoming a plotter and being usurped by the much, much more athletic and um, just explosive Nick Singleton. So Penn state should be able to run the ball a lot this year. I assume that he's going to continue to be heavily involved. I mean, Catron Allen is 
I mean, he's a, a big guy. I mean, he's hard to tackle and he has a lot of potential to rack up some touchdowns too. But as far as high end potential, him and another guy that you mentioned earlier, Mayan Williams, who maybe we'll talk about later. I just, I don't know what to do with them because it's not like they're an inefficient players. They both have some things going their way analytically and playing kind of early ish in their careers. So I don't know what to do with them because I don't truly see them as difference makers at all at the NFL level. Yeah. And I tend to agree. Like, I think that Katron could easily be, you know, that like fourth round pick that you fall in love with, you know, like that kind of thing. Uh, but I, I don't know that I'm overly excited about him either. I, I think this is a bit high. Uh, and honestly, like, and I, I, I was talking about Shane Hallam. I went and looked. There was two other guys that have him ranked very similarly to Hallam. So I don't want to put it all on his shoulders by any means. Uh, it just seems like DLF in general is, is very high on Katron Allen. I get it. I mean, you know, in a, and I will give them a little bit of credit because where I was talking about how Nicholas Singleton doesn't really have the receiving aspect, that's because Katron Allen doubled him in the receiving game, you know. So, uh, you know, at least you can say that about him about Allen, that he has that part to his game. You just don't see as much of the explosiveness and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And and more of a, uh, I guess, secondary or change of pace role or whatever you want to call it, you would hope that he would be a little more uh, efficient, I guess, with, uh, with his touches, just because, you know, he's almost like spelling, you know, Nicholas Singleton, if you will. Uh, maybe that's not right because I mean they they had similar touches, so I don't want to act like he's just the change of pace or anything like that. But I don't know. I, I just I think I think he's good. He's fine. Uh, <laughs> the funny thing is, I actually have Trey Benson directly behind Katron Allen in my rankings. The thing is, I just don't have either one of them in this tier. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. And one other thing too, when you look at the distribution of and the order that they entered games and the distribution of playing time and whatnot. It was actually frustrating to see Katron Allen being trotted out there almost more often in some, in some games and earlier in games than Nick Singleton. And I don't know, again, if it goes back to Singleton, I mean, they know he's the superior athlete, but as far as, uh, we go back to the idea that carries are given, they're not necessarily always earned. It's like, well, yeah, the coaches felt more comfortable. They're like, we're going to give Katron these carries because maybe he's just a little bit more comfortable with their scheme, comfortable with the nuances of the running back position. But those kind of things change as far as when the superior athlete finally starts to figure it out. So I think that we might see a changing of the guard there. I'm projecting Katron Allen to maybe take more and more of a backseat versus the somewhat equal timeshare that they were in this last season. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, but you know we'll just have to wait and see at this point. But like I said, uh, DLF has Trey Benson here in the same uh, tier. Like I said, I have them back-to-back, so I don't disagree with them being ranked similarly. I do disagree with where they're ranked. Um, but, you know, with it's a completely different story with Benson, though, whereas with Katron, it's just that I, you know, I don't see the explosiveness. I don't really – I'm not overly excited about the player. I think he's good. He's fine, whatever you want to say. With Benson, I mean, we we saw just athleticism, explosiveness. We saw all that kind of stuff in his game, and yet it took until his senior or his junior year before he could actually do any of that. And so it's just it's really difficult to absolutely fall in love with that player. I want to believe he obviously could take that next step forward and really show us this year. 
that he deserves to be up there in that, you know, tier four or whatever you want to call it. I just, I one season with 154 rush attempts, like, uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to go ahead and throw this guy all the way up here. You know, it just, um, going into a senior year, you know, we already discount seniors as, as it is some people too much, but you know, you got to discount them a little bit. They, they didn't come out when they should have, but, uh, you know, there's some, like I said, there's some really nice things that we love to see. Uh, 14% big time run rate. That's huge. You know, 1.2 PPR points per touch or 1.1 PPR points per touch. I'm sorry. Um, last year, you love to see that 87 yards per uh, scrimmage yards per game. Eh, that's okay. You know, like you really like to see these guys like truly dominate and, and, you know, Florida state was pretty good last year, uh, surprisingly. So we didn't see that that domination. And this is another player that, you know, only had 13 receptions, you know, not, that's not showing us like that three down back, that whole workhorse role, like that kind of thing either. So he has good size. He's explosive. He has a lot of things that we'd like to see, but there's some big flaws in his prospect profile. Yeah, there are flaws for sure. And a lot of that does stem back to the injury when he was originally at Oregon towards ACL right away. And then that affected that second year. So it makes sense that it took till that third year for him to get into a situation where he could start earning a lot of, a lot of touches and really show how talented he was and get back to his, his original form. Now there's been some competition that's left that backfield. Like you said, Florida state is, I mean, they were pretty good last year. They're probably going to be even better this year. I'm seeing quite a bit of hype for them. And I like a lot of the, the upside of that offense as far as scoring this year. Especially ultimately yeah there you go <laughs> but i mean trey benson he's going to have a lot of opportunities and if they are maybe a little bit more recognized program more eyes are on them they're playing in some big games honestly i mean that's just more attention going his way and they're going to see how great he is with even more of that share of that backfield so yeah i like benson he has a little bit more of that workhorse frame that you'd like to see three down abilities hopefully um, compared to like even like a Blake Corum, somebody like that. So I could see him slotting pretty high in this class, just depending on how the season goes. But like you said, not a complete profile quite yet, but if you're projecting ahead, it could be a really, really interesting season with a lot of production going Benson's way. Yeah, I guess the biggest question for me is, is Kenny withstand a, a full workload? You know, we just literally never seen it. And so, you know, I, I want to be able to see that this year. And if he does, he could easily take that next step. Like, I, I, it's one of those players that I want to like. I want to have higher in my ranks. I just can't do it. <laughs> you know, it's just so tough. And, I mean, you know, it, I don't know. We, we, saw, we, we saw, like, really nice things, but we did not see uh, elite, elite. Uh, that's it for tier five there. And now, like I said, we have a pretty big tier here and we actually start getting some freshman running backs here uh, as well. And so we have, but we also have my baby Blake Corm uh, leading it off. Blake Corm, Cedric Baxter, Ruben Owens, Trevor, Trevor Etienne, Justice Haynes, and Jace McClellan. So we have a nice mix. We got older, older backs, younger guys, and uh, everything in between. Uh, obviously with Corum, it's the injury. It's the fact that he's a senior. It's that he's, you know, five foot eight, but he's a big five foot. He's a thick five foot eight. You know, it's it, like, he has the workhorse size. He's shown that he can do it. Honestly, I, I a hundred percent believe that he would be in the NFL right now. Had he not gotten injured a hundred percent believe it. 
But unfortunately, he did get injured at like the worst possible time, right as he was about to win the Heisman. <laughs> you know, and now he's back. And, and all. I think this is a tier too too low, uh, honestly, for Corum. But you know, I know that that's definitely not consensus. Uh, Mike, Dirty Mike says he's a combine five seven, and that might be fair. Uh, that, that might be fair. Um, he also says he's going to be a late day three man. Uh, I I can't I can't get behind that. Like, dude's just too good. I get that you know the offense and all that kind of stuff, but if Donovan Edwards and Blake Corm have similar seasons this year. How the hell can Donovan Edwards be like a, you know, like a day two guy, and then Blake Corum goes, you know, late day three just because he's a senior and he's five foot, you know, five foot three at this point. <laughs> Fair. And then Mike says, Mike Valerie says, fancy Jared Patterson. Uh, it, it, how quickly we forget Ray Rice and Maurice Jones Drew and guys like that who are all five foot eight, seven to five foot eight, and ultimately, yeah, maybe. Maybe if he does go day three, he is one of those guys who really breaks through because we just saw how good he was in college. If you want to have Donovan Edwards that high, you have to realize that, well, this guy's been better than Donovan Edwards along the whole way. So, I mean, <laughs> if you like Donovan Edwards, you should like this guy too. It's not like he's tiny. He's not Devin to chain. He's not a small boy. <laughs> he's he's definitely um, packs enough punch to his game and he's just getting forgotten about because of that injury now if it zaps his athleticism we have to pivot right same thing with like Keishon Boutte it, uh, and a lot of us didn't well we we all pivoted to some degree but some of us faster and more significantly than others because I mean sometimes those guys just don't get it back so we we really do have to make sure and, and ensure that but I'm anticipating that he's going to be able to get some of that explosiveness back. It really seemed like it was more, it, correct me if I'm wrong, like an MCL injury, which those things heal. I mean, it's not, it's not as bad as like a, a degenerative meniscus type of issue, an ACL that takes nine months plus. Um, I'm not as concerned about Coram as I would be if it was more significant injury. So ultimately there's a lot to like with him, but I get why we, we just want Donovan Edwards to take it over and we just ex almost expect Coram just to take that back seat. Yeah. I, like I said, I, I think that he's been slept on. He was slept on last year. And I think that's the problem is he was already slept on. He did amazing. Then he got hurt at the worst possible time. And now people are just like, well, he's just, he's done. But I think we see it year in and year out people forget about these players and then all of a sudden you know Zach Charbonnet was probably left for dead by a lot of people at the beginning of you know the last offseason because oh he didn't go to the NFL when he should have and you know whatever he's you know he's just not that good and then obviously like we know people have kind of lost some of the love because of where he went but think about how high Zach Charbonnet went in like the whole process before the landing spot. People were falling out of their chairs for him saying he, some people were saying he was the RB two over Jameer Gibbs and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I don't think it's that insane to think that we could get a, you know, top 10 running back out of, at the very least out of uh, Blake Corum. And honestly, he's probably going to be even higher than that, at least in my ranks when it's all said and done, but enough about the little guy. Uh, why don't we get into, a couple of the freshmen here, we have Cedric Baxter, Ruben Owens, and Justice Haynes. Um, you know, I know we, we've kind of talked, we did the, the freshman pod, or you did the freshman pod, and we've, you know, touched on some of these uh, rookies, and or freshmen, I should say, before. But how do you feel about, uh, you know, the landing spots, obviously, with Texas, uh, with uh, and then Alabama, and then Texas A&M? 
Yeah, so I do like Cedric Baxter here. I think there's a, a solid chance that at least by the end of the season, he's really taken over a large chunk of that Texas backfield. And we've talked about how potent that offense should be in the next couple of years. I think he just continues the strong running back play that we see, whether or not he he wins that job outright as a freshman. Now, having Ruben Owens here, that, that does seem like a little bit of a stretch. So Ruben Owens incoming freshman for Texas A&M. I mean, I really like Ruben Owens. I might be one of the higher guys out there on him. This might still be a bit high compared to guys that we've already seen do well. So we'll get to it, but Trevor Etienne, Jason McClellan, they're just behind Ruben Owens in these ranks. I think we got to flop that just until we see Ruben Owens actually make it onto the field and confirm that, yes, he's actually good at the college level because he was amazing at the high school level obviously. Uh, and then Justice Haynes, Alabama running back, true freshman, early enrollee, did nothing but impress in early spring practices. And he might have to wait his turn. Yeah. He might have to wait one year. I mean, it doesn't seem like as long of a wait as some previous years. You never know who will transfer in, but I think at the end of the day, Justice Haynes is one of the most talented backs in that Bama backfield for sure. It's just a matter of, of waiting because they don't like to play true freshman. Uh, very much at Alabama at the running back position. So Haynes is super talented. I have no qualms with Baxter or Haynes being this high. In fact, I think that, you know, from the the tier above, Katron Allen, Trey Benson, I may be willing to have Baxter and Haynes ahead of those guys because I just think that there might be more upside potentially um, with Baxter and Haynes. Ruben Owens, eh, maybe not ahead of those guys quite yet. Yeah, I can see it. I mean, obviously, you do a lot more work with the the recruits and everything than I do, but I have I have them all here in the same tier. Um, you know, I, I I have Baxter clearly at the top of the tier. Actually, I have Baxter a tier ahead technically, uh, but then I have uh, uh, Owens and uh, Haynes with Trevor Etienne. Oh, McClellan, Jace McClellan, and so they're all in the same tier there. It's I'm not really not going to argue with hardly any of them. Obviously, we haven't seen too much out of Jace. Uh, you know, that's really the, the main issue uh, with ETN, you know, another smaller guy, like good, thick guy, but, you know, not not exactly tall. I think he's, what, 5'9", um, like 218 pounds or something like that. But, you know, once again, we didn't see a lot of receiving work. Now, that's probably more because of the QB that they had than, than anything else. But it's just another thing that I want to see, like something added on to his game you know, before I truly start moving them up tiers, because we did see a lot of the stuff that I like to see. We just didn't get the whole thing. And obviously splitting, splitting carries with Montreal Johnson. Now I think he's much better than Montreal Johnson, but you know, just because they didn't completely like turn it over to him or anything like that, it's just hard for me to have ETN much higher than this. Uh, you know, especially when you start thinking about like the size and all that kind of stuff, because people like Mike Valerie are going to be like, well, no, he's actually a combine five foot eight, not five foot nine. I love it. And I don't know. ETN was more efficient than Montreal Johnson. I just don't see it with Montreal. I think they'll still give him some, some workload, but he was the guy who like Napier knew already. So it was kind of a given that he was going to be heavily involved, but ETN, with a, a second season under his belt, I really think that he just takes a huge step forward. He's a very good back, and I don't really care too much if he's 5'8 versus 5'9. I mean, you start getting down to 5'7, maybe I'm concerned. But, I mean, ultimately, 217 or, or whatever his weight is in the two teens, that's really, really nice size. And he showed more bursts last year than he did in his high school film. So he just got faster. 
honestly, uh, which is really nice to see when these guys are just continuing to get more and more athletic, especially as they're gaining weight. So, yeah, I loved what we saw at a tr- uh, Trevor Etienne, and I'm not bumping him higher, I would agree, but, I mean, I do have him higher than Katron Allen, and I have him higher than Ruben Owens at this moment because I think Ruben Owens hitting his upside is probably like Trevor Etienne. I mean, I, I think that's somewhat similar. We just haven't seen Owens do it quite yet, but the opportunities there for Owens at Texas A&M. So ultimately no huge issues with this tier here. Like I said, a lot of these backs start getting somewhat similar for me. I can make an argument one case or another to, to move them up within a tier uh, potentially. Now, uh, how do you feel about them compared to Trey Benson? I don't really have a strong take with that, to be honest. I mean, I have Trey Benson just right ahead of Trevor Etienne, right ahead of well, a guy that we'll talk about here soon, just ahead of Ruben Owens, Katron Allen. So, I mean, I, I like Trey Benson, but I also am a little bit higher on Jace McClellan. I just think that if they're pretty comparable players, I'll take the Bama back, who's probably going to be a workhorse this season, right? And very athletic. We, we know both of them have their injury concerns. I believe both of them have a past ACL tear, but they're both going to be healthy this season. Give me the Bama bump slightly. Give me a Justice Haynes and Cedric Baxter as potentially slightly higher upside again compared to Benson. Yeah, see, I, I have all those guys ahead of Katron. I just, like, that was really the biggest tier that I just didn't agree with. But everything else seems to be kind of on board. Uh, but it's just uh, Benson and, and Katron, for whatever reason, just seem a little high for me. <laughs> Uh, but that brings us to another mini tier here. And now this one's kind of tough because this is a player that we've both uh, kind of fallen in love with uh, until uh, he, he did some stupid shit off, uh, you know, off campus or, you know, during the offseason. And it's Jarquez Hunter uh, in, out of uh, Auburn. Man, I was excited to see what he could do. Now he's suspended indefinitely doing some not so smart stuff, uh, you know, off, off the field. Uh, I guess... Obviously, there's a lot of time for things to change and everything. So why don't we just act like he's going to play this year? Um, and just how would you feel? Would you have him here in this tier? Or would you have him ahead of this, assuming that he actually gets reinstated and all like? Yeah, and and you had asked me because I had recently tweeted out my running back ranks for each class. And, and I didn't have Hunter on there. And that's purely because I don't really expect him so to play this season or at least as of right now, I'm treating it as yeah, there's high risk that he won't play, or at least he'll be suspended a large portion of the season. Maybe he's dismissed from the team. I don't truly know how serious um, this stuff is, but it's this, it does sound serious and very unfortunate that this stuff transpired. So ultimately, I mean, I had Hunter a little bit more around the Trey Benson. I think I had him just ahead of Trey Benson and um, some of the guys in this 24 class. So that would be right around like RB six or seven in this class. So yeah, big fan of Jarquez Hunter. We always kind of liked what he was quietly doing behind Tank Bigsby, just quietly being more productive or at least more efficient with all the touches and good since a true freshman season. So yeah, I mean, it's really unfortunate that there's that off the field stuff that's going to murk, murky the water. Um, definitely talented kid. I don't know what to do with him right now. So I guess if you're going to treat him as though he's playing, uh, it's hard to slot him in because right now I'm not treating him that way, I guess. Yeah. And that's completely fair. I was just, I, I really just wanted to hear you say like he was going to be higher. You know, that, that was really all I was looking for. And it's just because I think we both believe in the talent 
It's just a matter of if he gets on the field. There's plenty of players that we've believed in the talent before, and then once we, you know, once everything comes down or boils down, it's like, all right, well, yeah, we can't believe in the talent anymore because they're just not on the field. Um, what was it, Dion Smith from uh, from LSU? It's like, all right, we can't we can't, we can't believe in the talent anymore. You can't even get on the field, dude. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I do like some Jarquez Hunter for sure. Although, uh, you know, I, at this point, I, I'd probably agree with you that he's probably not going to play. Uh, you know, we just have no idea. There is time, but I guess we're kind of running out of time at the same time. So, um, enough about him. Uh, the next one's kind of interesting because I feel like a lot of people are torn on Devin Neal out of Kansas. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard, I've, I've heard he's great. He's, he's, you know, he's terrible. You know, Kansas sucks, you know, like all everything in between. Um, but I'm actually pretty high on, on Neal here. Uh, I actually would have him personally. I would have him uh, up in that same tier that we were just talking about. Uh, so I would have him a tier above this. Uh, how do you feel about Neil there? Very nice. I think I have Neil. I think I have. Do I have Blake Corum in a league that we're in? We we might have to formulate some sort of trade here, John. Um, uh oh. I like it. <laughs> yeah, but no. I mean, I I still have Jordan Addison. You know, somehow, some way, and George Kittle on that team. Uh, that, nice. that needs to get off of the, the orphan that I took over. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I do like Devin Neal out of Kansas, and he's just always been a solid player, but he's another one of those guys, where does he really separate himself? What part of his game is special? And I'm having a trouble, I'm having some difficulty identifying that. And I don't know if Kansas is the right place for him to truly showcase that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, Kansas I think they have you know a pretty good quarterback there in Jalen Daniels and their team should be solid but at the end of the day is that going to be the spotlight and is that going to project them into a, a huge situation at the NFL level I'm a little bit skeptical so in C2C leagues yeah I like the solid production that he brings but it's not elite either so if we're just talking Debbie ranks I don't have him quite this high this is too early for him in the ranks uh, in this tier or this area I don't know. I'm not quite as high, which is funny because at one point I really, really did like what Devin Neal's potential was, but he didn't quite take that next step forward like I expected this last season. So again, a solid player, just hard to differentiate him from a lot of the guys. So I end up going with some of the dudes who there's a little bit more untapped potential. So some second year guys and freshmen who you just don't know what the ceiling is with them. And it's a little bit of that mystery box where it could blow up in your face. Like Neil's a safe enough player, but I just want to shoot for that really, really high end upside. So that's maybe even where I, I start saying that Trevor, Trevor ETN, Trey Benson might have slightly more um, true upside. Yeah. And I can see that, you know, there's, there's question marks with all these guys, whether it's where they play at or, you know, how much they play, how much they've played, all that kind of stuff. Uh, none of them are going to be perfect. And that's why they're not those top tier guys. But, you know, I think that he's shown us that he can at least be serviceable. And at the very least, I think he's going to be drafted. Uh, you know, now the question is how high will he be drafted? And, you know, that's going to be the big deal. But yeah, I just like I said, I'm, I'm not like over the moon about Neil, but I definitely do have him a little higher here in that that. Uh, but then now we have a pretty large tier uh, for RB 19 through 24, and it's it's my boy Jade Knot that everyone seems to hate, <laughs> Damian Martinez, Bucky Irving, 
Mayan Williams, Roderick Robinson, another freshman, and then Jamarian Miller, another unknown from Alabama that we just can't figure out who the hell is going to touch the ball there. Um, I think we were both pretty high on Miller there for a while, and you know now it's just like, man, I, I don't know. It, it's weird because it doesn't really make too much sense because with Jamari Miller, we were both pretty high on him last year, and then it ended up being Jason McClellan, and I guess that as like the backup, which I guess is why – we're more hyped on McClellan, but you know, it's like Miller's still there. And we know that Alabama doesn't give it to true freshmen. So like maybe they were just waiting for him to, you know, to take that next step in the second off season, like that kind of thing. Maybe it will be Miller. Who knows? The cool thing is, well, I shouldn't even say cool thing, but the opportunity is certainly there. If Jason McClellan falters in some way, whether it's injury fumbling i don't know you know stuff can happen during a season and jamari miller i think would be that next guy up now i actually took a shot really deep in a c2c league on roydell williams recently just very deep because at the end of the day i don't think he's that efficient of a player but i'm like if he gets catapulted into that lead um, job i'm selling him right away for a nice profit because brian robinson guys like that when they finally get their opportunity at alabama somebody's gonna buy in so it's not because i believe necessarily in the player but we believe if these guys if things break right for alabama running back that's big upside and then you can sell at that point if you don't truly believe in them so you got to kind of hold jamori miller if you have him but in drafts Right now, you're kind of scratching your head and just hoping that he continues to be a value and falls to you, and eventually you scoop him up because, yeah, with all the hype that true freshman Justice Haynes has out there, I think people are fading off of Jamari Miller. There, there's certainly that opportunity this year, though, if things break right for him because he's still a talented kid. So ultimately, yeah, I, I don't mind him in this tier. And, and you mentioned a bunch of other guys in this tier that you and I have talked about before on the show, you know, you're, you're a huge Jaden Ott and Bucky Irving guy. And I actually, I mean, I think we both are Damian Martinez guys, but I'm, I'm higher on Martinez than any, anybody else in this tier. And I think that Roderick Robinson, Georgia running back could have a pretty interesting future as well. I do. I know he's has some interesting mile per hour marks as far as how, he got up to top speed. I don't really see that speed always with uh, Roderick Robinson, but if he's 230 pounds, like what's stopping him from being like a Braylon Allen type guy? If he's really you know fast and huge like that, maybe he could be a pretty special guy at Georgia, which we talked about. Georgia hasn't had maybe that special talents there for a while. So Branson and Roderick Robinson as a couple backs at Georgia is super intriguing. But yeah, what do you think of this tier? Some small guys, small-ish guys at least, and some guys who have just a lot of upside. Yeah, I like it because at the very least, it's like the guys that that are just completely hated on in Jade Knott and Bucky Irving and maybe even Damian Martinez to, to an extent where – uh, you know, I just feel like at least they're giving them their shot. It just seems like it's it's just too low. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think, I guess there's, there's arguments to be made about why other players are ahead of these guys. And obviously we don't truly know what's going to happen with Jaden Knott this year. I, you know, like it, it, who the hell is going to touch the ball the most? We can't say, you know, we just can't truly say there. But I think that we know that he's a great receiver 
at least at, at the very least. And, you know, maybe he can work on some of the running. Cause I, I guess that's like the biggest question mark from people is like, you know, is he actually a good running back? And, you know, we kind of saw it versus some games, like the easiest games, but not necessarily with the, the more difficult competition. And so, you know, that that's what we'll be looking to see here from, uh, from year two for Ott. But, you know, we just saw big things in year one from a true freshman you know, we've given some leeway to true freshmen uh, higher up in the ranks. So why don't we give a little leeway here as well? And then with Irving, you know, I, I get the size concerns, but man, like dude's just a stud. And, you know, so the guy I'm willing to, when you're that good, I'm just willing to ignore the size to an extent. So I think that he should be in this tier. I have him a tier head, but, uh, and I also, I, I have all three of these a tier head, Ott, Martin, um, and then, but then you start getting into the the question marks of Roderick Robinson. Like, is he ever going to touch the ball? <laughs> you know, like, is he, he's probably not going to touch the ball this year. Uh, and then, you know, is he going to touch the ball next year? Is it going to be two or three years before we see anything from him? Mayan Williams, like, I know that some people are are you know, pretty excited about him, but you know, it's another small guy, five foot eight. <laughs> you know, like I know he's rocked up. He's like two twenty, five foot eight, two twenty, or whatever he is. Um, I don't know that he's special either, uh, you know, from anything that we've seen. I think he's perfectly fine, and he, he'll be drafted and all that kind of stuff. But he's probably – I have him in, like, in a tier below, you know, the Bucky Irvings, you know, Damian Martinez. Do you care uh, to do you care to um, share any more metrics on Mayan Williams? Because I'm very interested. The guy sure. seems like he is beneficent, but the, at the end of the day, he's not a guy who's – breaking those huge long plays from what I've seen. He, he breaks enough plays because of just how physical he is. He's, he's bullying these college kids. And mm-hmm. like you said, I mean, he's not very tall. He's like five, eight, but he's like 230 pounds. Like he's just so thick yeah. at such a small height. <laughs> he packs a punch. Yeah. And, and he does have like, he has a decent big time run rate at 7%. You know, I feel like with an offense, like, uh, like Ohio state that you would kind of want it to even be a little bit higher. Um, like Trevion Henderson is now at 7%, but it's because of his, uh, because of that sophomore year where he was playing injured and all that kind of stuff. He was up at like, I think 11 or maybe even 12% in his true freshman season. Um, in, in obviously in the same offense and everything. And then, uh, because of that small stature, but thick build, I actually discount him a little bit because of that, because like at some point you have to be, you have to pick your size. Like, you know, like he's, he's almost too big for his frame, if you will. And so I, I give him a tiny little discount because of that. He's, he's almost too thick. Um, he's at a 35 BMI. And I mean, there's literally no one else in my model that I can tell is a 35 BMI. Like, <laughs> well, the guy, the guy who loves the thick running backs is, is knocking them for being too thick at this point. <laughs> yeah. But like Braylon, Braylon no, Allen, Braylon Allen's 240 pounds. He's a 31 BMI. You know, like you want yeah. him to be big. You want him to be thick. You don't want him to be too thick. 35 <laughs> is is a little wild. I'm probably pushing 35 at this point. You know, you don't want you don't want to be that thick. But um, I mean, yeah, there's definitely some efficiency and everything. I just think that we would have seen, uh, you know, because he actually has some pretty nice uh, like PPR points per touch, 1.2. Uh, it's all the stuff you want to see. The only thing we didn't truly see is when Trevion Henderson was out, he didn't like just take over. He, you know, he, he wasn't putting up 150 rushing yards like Henderson was doing when he was healthy. 
And so I think that's when I start going like, ah, you know, okay, that's why I don't think he's necessarily special. Like I think he can he can have nice runs, nice rushes, maybe in like a change of pace or whatever. I don't know if he's like a yeah, absolutely. Like he's an NFL talent. There's just no no really saying or <laughs> I don't know. I could see a scenario where he ends up being a starter for a while. Is he ever going to be like a long term NFL starter that you feel good about? And I, I just don't see it at this moment in time, but maybe that's enough time spent on Maya Williams. Like, like a very intriguing guy where you can debate back and forth because he's flashed some good things and he has enough size. But ultimately I don't think either one of us are extremely high on him. So kind of rounds out the tier of Jaden Knotts, Damian Martinez, Bucky Irving, Mayan Williams, Roderick Robinson, Jamorian Miller. And I, I have a lot of those guys or some of those guys higher than Devin Neal still, who was already in the tier above. And then Jarkus Hunter, again, we're kind of throwing him out right now. We don't know what to do with the guy. Yeah, definitely. I guess we do have to make it if you're that low on him. Like I said, I don't know if he's overly special, but uh, especially in the C2C league, I definitely trade for him. Uh, so we don't have to continue on, you know, that was, that was the top 24. We, there's, there's more here, but I will say, you know, not based off a of DLF or anything like that, but who else would you like say has to be in that top 20 from your rank? Yeah. Some of the big guys, Marshawn Lloyd, and I understand from a production standpoint, he's just not going to be there, right? No model's going to pick up on what he's done so far. And he's a guy, he's exactly like what we saw in Trey Benson, but he's just like a year earlier. Here, He's a year early from that breakout that we saw with Trey Benson. So it's risky having Marshawn Lloyd near this high because he hasn't really put it all together yet. Um, but ultimately going to USC, a lot of opportunity there. It sounds like he's going to be the locked-in starter and a guy who's just extremely talented coming out of high school finally starting to get some of that athleticism back, finding his legs. We'll see if that pans out. It is a risky pick there. I, I think I'm probably higher on him than than some, but I see a lot of hype out there too. So he's a guy I would consider. And then Dallin Hayden, who we briefly mentioned as an Ohio State true freshman last year, he's the guy who kind of ate into um what we saw out of Mayan Williams a bit at Ohio State. Like Dallin Hayden as a true freshman looked similarly good at many times he was he was very much flashing so a guy we got to keep our eye out for especially since both Mayan Williams and Travian Henderson could be gone at Ohio State and then Hayden's just stepping into a large workload I'm not um, that high on Chip Tranum I just don't know that he's a special guy either he's probably like Mayan Williams as far as talent goes solid but yeah I mean honestly Dallin Hayden could be that next guy up at Ohio State though we could be forgetting about Evan Pryor but Ultimately, Hayden's more healthy at this moment, so that that gives him um, a nice leg up. Well, two things: you said that no model is going to pick up on Marshawn Lloyd, and yet I have Marshawn Lloyd just behind, or just in the next tier below here. So Ooh. maybe maybe a random model isn't going to pick up on right. it, but you know Beth's picking up on it, baby. Be- Be- Beth's um, listening. I-, I did not know that Beth was onto Marshawn Lloyd though. Yeah, I mean, uh, actually, I, I was really high, and I, I did a bad job of creating ranks last year. You know, I, I was newer to <laughs> ranking and all that kind of stuff, especially playing with the model, the Debbie model, all that kind of stuff. But uh, I was really high on Marshawn Lloyd, and it just never worked out. Like, uh, he was hurt, right? Like, I, I can't remember exactly what happened, but he, um, yeah, I, I just remember 
at the beginning of the season and the during the off season, I'm like, man, Marshawn Lloyd, like he's, I think he, I want to say he was like top or something like that in the model. And then obviously, you know, the season <laughs> didn't quite work out that way, but um, yeah, he's still here. Uh, not too much, uh, f- not too far behind those other guys. But then the other thing, I'm completely out on Dalen Hayden. I, I want nothing to do with them. <laughs> really? <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more. All right. So, I mean, he, he's not ideal size. Uh, what is he like six foot one ninety five something like that? I have oh. or no five ten five ten one ninety five is is that incorrect? Oh, like he's up over two hundred on their team sites. I mean, he's two oh three, and he? I don't I don't know if he's like okay. more like two ten now. But I mean, the guy. Okay, I think he was one ninety five for that'll sure help. coming out. Yeah, for sure help. Yeah, that that'll help. I mean, that'll move him up. I moved him up a handful of spots, but uh, you know, it's just. Big time run rate, 5%. That's not showing burst. It's not showing explosiveness. Uh, 0.8 PPR points per touch. That's not showing anything. That's not showing what I want to see. Uh, I It just, everything, albeit in a smaller sample, he only has 115 rushing attempts. So, you know, like I'm not saying that he couldn't be better uh, if he's fully healthy, whatever. I'm just saying from what we've seen, it is not what I want to see. I Yeah, I'm completely out. If anyone... If anyone's in on Dalen Hayden, I would be selling the hell out of him. <laughs> it, it might just be a projection thing, but I did like what he flashed in high school. So, you know, whether it was just Ohio State being really, really safe with him, because you think about like just running up the middle with the, the fifth string running back, like that's kind of what we were seeing with it. And he was still able to rip off some chunk stuff, not at a high rate or not any like, you know, he wasn't ripping off 50 yard runs every time, but um, showed enough there as a true freshman where I think he has a future. But again, Evan Pryor, very athletic guy who could be finally healthy coming into the season and taking over the next year. So it's not a given that Dallin Hayden takes over by any means. Um, now we haven't went over any, additional guys that you want on this list or would think deserve to be this high John. So what are your thoughts on any additional running backs we should be talking about here? Yeah. So I think the biggest one for me is CJ Donaldson. And I know you are not the biggest Donaldson fan (laughs) by any means. Um, I don't quite get it though. I get that he was originally a tight end and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, we see, we see tight ends be uber athletic, you know, basketball players and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's kind of what we have here with Donaldson and it shows up in the numbers. It shows up in the stats. Um, everything I've seen is he's the lead back, you know, for West Virginia. So like, it's, it's not like, Oh, is he going back to tight end? Is he doing this? Is someone else going to run? No, he's the lead back. He's Derrick Henry size. And yet, you know, like uh, not Derrick Henry by any means, but he's Derrick Henry size. And I mean, everything that he did, last year is up in that elite tier and he had uh let's see here just as a rusher though not as a receiver and, and i understand that no, not all no. yeah not all these guys are going to be like three down type backs um but you know that that is one area there it's like this guy's supposed to be a tight end where, where is this receiving game we'll <laughs> right. see we'll see this next year um because like you said, the competition's kind of leaving there. I think Tony Mathis transferred out. And despite yep. Levi, one of our friends, Levi, he likes Jalen Anderson or maybe facetiously thinks mm-hmm. that Jalen, you know, Jalen Anderson has been efficient, but you know, at the end of the day, I do think that Donaldson will have a good year. I just think in a C to C league, he has a lot of value, but like 
a West Virginia guy. I, I just don't see him breaking out to be like a day two guy. I think he's definitely a day three talent, but he doesn't quite get me excited to the levels that he gets you excited. So I, he's more of a sell for me um, because there are people high on him like, like yourself. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be somewhere in between, but I'm just not quite on the same levels with Donaldson. And I, I think, you know, the biggest thing is obviously I've talked about other running backs tonight where I, I want to see that receiving ability, you know, Nicholas Singleton and all that. I'm like, where's the receiving? But it's because look at uh, Katron Allen doubled him up in receiving, you know, with uh, CJ Donaldson, he actually led the team as running backs in the receiving department. They just don't throw to the running backs. He had nine. Uh, Tony Mathis, the leading rusher on the team had seven, and Justin Johnson Jr. had eight. Those were the the leading uh, rushing or the leading running backs <laughs> with the receiving. So you know, it's like they they just don't throw it to the to the running back. You know, it's kind of like the Kenneth Walker thing, like that. It's a very similar thing. People were saying, "Oh, Kenneth Walker can't catch." Last year, before you know, when he was just a prospect, and I'm like, "Well, look at the offense. They they really didn't throw it at either uh, college that he was at." And so they just didn't don't throw to the running backs. You can't say I'm not saying he's amazing or anything like that. But like you said, intuitively we would assume that the tight end prospect that switched over to a running back can catch, and he did leave or lead the uh, the team in receiving as, as far as uh, actual receptions. Now he did not do very well with that. He only caught he, he only. Um, he caught nine recept or yeah, nine balls for twenty-seven yards. So that part's yeah, not exa- amazing. Exactly. He was not doing anything creative or special. And I guess that's my issue is like I don't think it's special. I think it's really quite good what he did. He far exceeded my expectations. Uh, <laughs> but as far as you know, three yards per reception there, it's just like uh we really need to see an uptick there. And and it's not only that he needs to be efficient and solid at West Virginia. He has to be amazing to get on teams radars at West Virginia, because I, I don't think that he has to blow college football like open as far as to be able to get that day two draft capital. In my opinion. I just wonder, you know, you're expecting him to be raw as a running back and yet he did pretty damn well. Like you said, he, he exceeded your expectations. So what can happen with the full off season to, to prepare as the running back, be given the lead back role. Tony Mathis is gone. I don't, uh, the Johnson, I don't even know the other guy's name, Johnson Jr., whatever the hell he is. Uh, he's probably gone. At the very least, uh, we're expecting CJ Donaldson to be that lead guy. And so, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I think that he should be up there, at least with your Mayan Williams, like these backup players that, you know, we can't ever say that are going to be anything amazing, you know, but they have a little bit more clout because it's Ohio state. Well, if we go, if we see CJ Donaldson go for, you know, over a thousand yards and maybe get some of the receiving game going as a future, as a previous tight end, then, you know, maybe he will get on that because he is that giant guy. He's that Braylon Allen size. And so if he can put together some kind of Braylon Allen season, he's not going to be up in the Braylon Allen tier, but he can be up in, you know, the, the draftable tier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's got some time to really prove that he is a great back. So there's, there's potential there. I could see, I could see the route where he could rise again, not rising up to Braylon level, <laughs> Braylon Allen levels though. No. And I definitely was not trying to compare the players by any means. Um, the only other player that I really think that I would be, 
uh, questioning is uh, Roman Hemby. I think that you know he should be up there as well. Now I will say I'm I'm the big the big time run rate proponent, and he does not have it. So um, you know maybe maybe that one is uh, is one that that shouldn't be, but I don't know. He seems to be kind of uh, good. You know, like just good, uh, nothing great, nothing elite, nothing amazing, but just good. And and so what do you think about Roman Hemby? Yeah, I was, I was expecting him to maybe weigh in a little bit bigger and maybe I don't have accurate size measure on him. I, I saw 200 pounds, but as far as being that inefficient on the ground and I get it's Maryland. So, I mean, I don't expect something just super elite. They're not necessarily known for having that elite running game, but I mean, he just wasn't special on the ground. Like you said, he wasn't breaking big plays besides he had a 75 yard rush, which I think is really helping him out. Cause otherwise he'd be firmly on like the fours for yards per carry, like really bad. We can't take out those big plays. Cause that was part of his profile. But the fact that his, big time run rate, his explosive rushes rate. I mean, those things are just so low and I get that he had good receiving involvement, but at the end of the day, doesn't really seem like a dynamic player to me and not quite big enough either. I, I would have expected him to be more like 220 and then I'd start to get a bit more excited for him. So it's not as though like in his third year, he can't impress. He can't improve on that. I'm definitely keeping my eye on him, but for like C to C leagues, I just I've never got an opportunity to draft him, just because I'm not as high. Um, I I don't have him ranked, yeah, very highly. So ultimately, we were talking about Devin Neal, how I was kind of low on him. I still have him ahead of Roman Hemby. <laughs> That's just a personal thing for me, though. Yeah, and I get it, but you know, you were saying how like the big time run rate's so low. And it, it is compared to a lot of these other guys. I mean, it's the same as Will Shipley. You know, it's like it's the same as uh, a couple of these other guys, uh, you know, that are are drafted or being drafted much higher than him. So while I like to fall in love with these players, like Jace McClellan's at six percent, one percentage point above him. So you know, like I, I like to really fall in love with these players that have that big, uh, the high big time run rate. But you know there's other aspects to the game. You know, not every player is going to break off 80 yard runs every, every game and that kind of thing. And the other thing with, and you had said you kind of expected him to be bigger. I kind of expected him to be bigger as well. It's because he, uh, in 24 seven, like he came into the uh, college at six foot one ninety five. I don't think he's maxed out. Like, I don't know what happened. I don't know why he didn't gain weight, you know, <laughs> from, from his freshman year uh, moving forward, but like I don't feel like he's just maxed out at six foot one ninety five. That just doesn't make any sense, or or two hundred, which is what he's listed at. So I think he could easily be two ten, two fifteen, whatever. Especially if he gets into maybe a better you know workout room or whatever weight room. So I don't want to like once again. I, I think everything's just kind of good. It, like he's good size. He's at that 200 pounds that we want him regardless. Oh, he's over that, you know, but we would like him to be more. He's at 5%. It's good. It's fine for big time run rate. We want more, uh, you know, like everything's just good. So I, I think that he should be in that mix. But once again, you know, there's things working against him with Maryland, the size, whatever. Yeah, that's very fair. I'm just going to throw another name out there. Cause I know, some will be super high and some will be a little bit more hesitant to put Jaquindon Jackson, Utah running back into the mix there. Just think he's another guy who could take a big step this next season. Plenty of opportunity there. He definitely flashed down the stretch and, and 
considering that he hasn't even played running back that long in his career. I'm just very interested to see what he does. So Jaquindon Jackson, just another guy to um, potentially have this high, though it sounds like you can get him for a discount depending on who you're drafting with. Uh, none of my drafts, I, I think in the supplementals I've been in, he's going in like the third for C2C leagues. He's always our second, I think, in some leagues. So never in a position where I could grab him, but I'm kind of interested in him. Yeah, he's definitely interesting. Like you said, he's kind of raw and whatever, but you know, he's interesting at the very least. Um, and then the last one, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about my boy, the the the, the man that uh, the man, because he is not a boy, the man that broke all broke the mold that completely uh, it changed Aaron's mind from day one zero to to you know to now year two ish hero Audric Estime. Uh, out of Notre Dame, I I drafted uh, Estime really late in one of our C2C leagues, and I said how he's going to be a stud, and Aaron was like, oh, no, Logan Diggs, Chris Tyree, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? They're gone. <laughs> one of them's a wide receiver, and one of them's over at LSU, and now it's Audric Estime's show. He's got the size. Uh, you know, it's another one that doesn't have, like, the uber athleticism or anything, but I think that once you get to that, like, ideal NFL size they can kind of dismiss or, or you know ignore certain things uh, and so I think that Audric estimation at the very least be up in this mix uh, for people and I have uh, I actually have him right behind uh, or right ahead of Mayan Williams yeah there you go and I probably have him very similar to to Mayan Williams as well and no, it was a great call as far as knowing that Logan Diggs would transfer out. That was phenomenal uh, a year ago. That <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I knew the estimate was just that damn good that he was gonna have to transfer out. I mean, that's right, right, right. That's that's why they gave Logan Diggs more carries last year than than estimate. Uh, <laughs> they were they were trying to they were trying to trade him. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and you know what? At the end of the day. You know, I was more like Diggs. You're more team estimate. I think we're going to see this season um, a good battle between, you know, LSU and Logan Diggs going to LSU, Audric Estime. And I actually, if I'm voting on a side, I, give me Estime. Give me Estime for the the rushing edge for sure this season. I can't say about receiving line because I don't think he's that great, but he has been efficient when he's got a few catches. So, you know what? Give me Estime this year. I think he's going to get a lot of production at Notre Dame. Now I'm not guaranteeing any any of the listeners like day two draft capital, but he could get there. He could have a really big season. So I I like how run heavy that offense is going to be, and very I mean Sam Hartman going there, yeah maybe it skews to more pass heavy, but man Estime's got a lot of opportunity there, and you got to love that. So especially in C to C, fun back. Hope you listened to us last year when we were talking about you know what happens if he somehow gets a role. Well, he got that role, and now he could really excel with it. Absolutely. And to be fair, I only have him 28 spots ahead of Logan Diggs. So, you know, it's not too, too bad. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. A little dig, a little dig. All right. Is there anyone else that we need to touch on before we get out of here? Um, I guess uh, literally the last player I'll talk about is. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have him there uh, just because at this point it's like, oh, we just have not seen enough. Like I loved I him coming out of high school. His high school film was so fun. If, if you haven't seen it, 
and you're into that kind of thing, <laughs> go check it out because he looked like a receiver out there. Like I, I really thought that he was going to be an elite receiving back, but he kind of lacks that top end speed. And then now he's had injuries and ugh, I just don't know if it's going to truly happen. And Stanford is just not what it was. So it's not like he's just going to be, you know, pick up where Christian McCaffrey left off. <laughs> it's, it's so much different. So he he is a talented guy. We got to keep our eyes out for him. He should be drafted depending. Well, I guess that depends on the depth of your, your league. Absolutely. Because some Debbie leagues, he might not be, but yeah, he's a guy we got to keep an eye out on like a post hype sleeper type. I don't mind that shout out there. And then you asked uh, what, what other guys could we talk about here? I don't know. You want to make this a three hour pod or. Hey, you know me. I'll, I'll go all night. I, I have, let's see, I have a uh, hundred and three people, and I can go into the in, into the actual model and, and get even more. So we can go all night, baby. <laughs> no, we don't need to do that. And honestly, I think we talked about a lot of the guys who are most relevant. There's a lot of projections past this point. You could go Andrew Paul, Georgia, if, if you're trying to pull a random Georgia back, who was running ahead of Branson Robinson last year before he got injured. Jaden Blue, Texas. Somehow, you know, if he resurrects, like he puts on a bunch of weight, he looked really good in spring practices this year. Maybe he's that post-hype riser. Uh, don't have a lot of hope for either one of them, but you know, there's, there's certainly some value there. If you can get them late enough, Gavin Sawchuk, you know, that Matt Bruning, who you were just on the podcast with um, on their podcast over at C2C, he really likes Gavin Sawchuk. Some like Javante Barnes, though he's fading because of some injury concerns with the foot, understandably. Amarian um, Hampton, UNC running back, uh, Caleb Johnson, Iowa running back. Richard Young, Alabama, true freshman. You know, those are just random younger guys who could take that next jump. I'm not projecting them to do so. And then if, also if I go to DLF's ADP, I'm a little bit confused by Trevante Citizen um, being on there, but I think that that is probably just not updated because it sounds like Trevante Citizen re-injured his knee, and I don't know if he'll play this year. So two lost seasons to start his collegiate career could be bad. I, I don't know for sure if he's going to be out for the season, but he definitely had a setback from everything I've heard. So that's a bummer for Citizen. Wow, I hadn't even heard that. Um, mm -hmm. All I know is I was pretty low on Citizen even going before he tore his ACL, and then he tore his ACL, and now he apparently has torn it again or, or done something. So, yeah, I am out. I am officially out on Trevante Citizen. Same. I actually, I don't think I have him ranked. So <laughs> that okay. goes to show you how I feel about Trevante Citizen. It's just like he's so out of sight, out of mind that I'm like, I, I, I'm not even put him in my rank. You know, the listeners who are listening this late into the podcast, they want these sleepers. So I'm, I'm happy just to keep throwing names out there because people love names, right? D deep suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> like we, we talked about this before. Actually, this is just a C to C one. Rasheen Ali, Rasheen Ali, going way too late, but that's C to C. It, it for Debbie, it's like the upside there, uh, very very limited, like such a long shot. But if he does what he does, what he did two years ago, and he does it again or even better, you know, maybe he does get on that uh, Tajay Spears level where he he goes day two. He rises up draft boards he needs to show more as a receiver but man uh what Rasheen Ali did and then he, unfortunately he was injured all last year for Marshall it, it was pretty special so he's back to being a top you know top five C to C or CFF asset certainly an interesting guy post hype sleeper 
Yeah, I, I like that one for sure. Uh, Jonathan Jonathan Brooks, Texas back. I know we kind of like him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I guess maybe people have kind of fallen out of love because it seemed like he was getting some hype there for a little bit, but then now people are you know more about Cedric Baxter. But you know, I I guess Texas isn't held to the same standard as like Ohio State and in Alabama and everything. But you know, who's to say that they don't you know that they don't still you know give the the upperclassmen, you know, the, the benefit of the doubt there, or, you know, at least the, the start, uh, you know, obviously I think, I, I believe in Cedric Baxter. I think he's going to be a great running back, but you know, it's not like Brooks is, you know, just a slouch either. So I think that there's definitely something to adding Jonathan Brooks as cheaply as possible and, you know, hoping for the best because we're hoping and assuming that that offense is going to be good. I mean, if, if that's the case, it could. Yep. I agree there. And then I've heard a lot of hype for Cam Selden, Tennessee running back, who he is fun to watch as far as just the versatility there, the receiving upside that he possesses. But, I mean, is he going to truly get on the field much as a year one guy? I don't know. But he could be the future there at Tennessee. It's just we like a lot of the backs in that backfield, or at least I guess I can't speak for you about the current backs, but, I mean, you like, uh, what's his name, Samson? Dylan Sampson for Tennessee, who was very efficient last year. So it's not as though like it's going to be easy trails ahead for Cam Selden to be maybe just like the clear workhorse back, the undisputed number one. Like there's going to be competition there at, at at Tennessee, but certainly a guy that in these Devi ranks, he could be creeping up there depending on what we see this year. Because I mean, if, if you're going to pick a guy, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I was just going to say, if you're going to pick a guy to be the next Raheem Sanders, maybe that's just going to be a sexy thing that we all try to predict, right? Because Raheem Sanders will be the talk of this running back class. Who's the next Raheem Sanders and Devi? Um, we're all going to try to find that guy. And it very well might be Cam Selden um, if we're going to try to kind of make that cheap comparison <laughs> or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, obviously we know he's uber athletic. He was what the number one athlete in the class and everything. You know, so there's definitely something to be excited about there. And I, like I said, I could go all night with this. So I, I'll go ahead and stop myself because I was looking at like three more names, and I'm like, we're we're literally going to go to to like two or three hours if we keep doing. This. All right, so I'm not going to ask you if you have any more names. You you gave out plenty. Um, you know, we we do try to go you know a little deeper here. Uh, so we gave out some good names and. Uh, Oh yeah, you gotta cut me off at some point. <laughs> All right, I will. So we appreciate you guys listening. I guess we're gonna go ahead and and make this a series, and uh, we'll probably move on to wide receivers, and then we will not move on because they're tight ends, and who cares? But <laughs> uh, we do appreciate you guys listening. We will be back in a couple weeks, but for now, we're gonna go ahead and cash out. We'll. 